Mana 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 this is Social Disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a comedian, a writer, and a purveyor of audio-video stuff who also co-hosts the podcast Please Save Me, the official recap podcast for Chicago Heroes, television's number one made-up show. Please welcome Ben Flores. Welcome. Hi, Brandon. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. The uh it's so weird to like have a just talk and then then we become formalized again. Like mm-hmm. this format so I don't really know how to ever like transition from informal to deeply formal or relatively formal. But Yeah, you could just have a, a your guest give them the instruction to just put earmuffs on, put a box over their head until it's time for them to say hello so that they <laughs> introduce themselves totally fresh, like a newborn baby dropped into the world. <laughs> like I'm a the cliche of like a film director like just have fun with it just yeah. have fun with this one exactly I can have fun with it I can do it yeah this is this is play just have fun with it. do one for you have this take for you <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile it's like inevitably the one shockingly enough I'm sure any director that says I like, have fun with this one uh, I'm sure 99.9% of the time that take is never used yeah I can't if someone says just have fun with it to me I'm not now I'm now I feel that I've got to perform. You know, yeah. now I feel yeah. I've really got to, I've really, I've really got to turn it on. <laughs> like, but I feel like yeah, there's this, the the subtext of it is like, just get this out of your system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. I technically, I guess I've already asked this, but let's the uh, easy to ask, difficult to answer question. But how are you? Yeah, that's a big question. Yeah, you you did little how the sausage is made. You let me know ahead of time you were going to ask me that question, and you said it was going to be hard to answer, and I agree that it is <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, unfair it's a big question you know yeah. um and obviously you you know you started this podcast when the pandemic started right so um yeah. so that question is laden with implication <laughs> that you know how are you you know the world has changed or something but it changed a year ago but it still is it still is that way so it still has it still carries all of that like it's not like a normal day how are you it's like how has all of the weight of of a changing world, um, have you carried that around on your shoulders? I guess is probably what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, the t- the tenor of the question has really evolved in a way over mm-hmm. you know as just navigating this unfathomable thing has yeah. evolved. You know, so like initially, I think it was, "How are you?" Like in a way of like, "This is wild," mm. and, and now it's more of a, "How are you?" With like the subtext of, "This is just life now." How are you doing? Yeah, it's like it goes through a cycle from where it's like a from where it is a heavy laden question to then back around to like just it becomes just a normal one again yeah <laughs> you know yeah. um in in which case you know i'm i'm good i'm pretty good uh i am let's see i'm here i'm in los angeles and i moved here from uh from chicago last summer with my family with my wife and my daughter who is my daughter is um just about a year old now. She's almost a year old. Was she born like right on the cusp of the beginning of this? She was born just, yeah, right, just after the cusp of the beginning of it. Oh, wow. We, When she was born, we didn't know if I would be able to go into the hospital for her birth because wow. there was a moment there where I wouldn't have been. You know, like we had a close friend who had a baby the same time as us there in New York City. Their baby was born a week before ours, and, you know, he wasn't able to attend the birth. 
because no, you couldn't have even for there was a few days where like even people in labor couldn't have their partner with them in the hospital yeah. and he and they made it into that window unfortunately i was fortunate to to not be in a window like that you know so we had this yeah we had our our baby and then we had this planned move that we had to follow through with because uh, my wife had a job you know she's moving for a job and if we yeah. hadn't moved she wouldn't have had a had a job uh, so it sort of you know works out that way although the move was structured for you know the whole move was designed around me around wanting to um you know try to try to write for the silver screen and the small screen and you got to be you mostly got to be here to do that although it was kind of strange to come here to do that at a time when nothing is happening in person so it's like okay so i moved to this new city i have no it's not like, oh, I just arrived on the scene or whatever. I'm trying to meet everybody. Like, I'm I'm actually just still on the computer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your point, though, like that, like, with everything being in the stasis that it was in and, and to a certain extent still is, like, for the moment, geography doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. It has mattered to us in the sense that, you know, like, to count my blessings or something like, it was awesome to move to a place where I could be outside all winter. Yeah, yeah huge huge difference i mean we were in chicago before and it's like zero degrees there and i'm going for a hike you know that's here so that's been that's been really good other things that have been good are you know i'm I'm good in in the sense that like i've got this little kid who is growing up and that's amazing <laughs> it's like an incredible incredible thing to be a part of to like have a little child who's has new qualities every day new experiences yeah things that have been yeah go ahead yeah no i'm sorry i, I was just saying that that's one of the in terms of like finding healthy distractions and things during all this and ways to, to let things process in the background amidst this truly like un, like i said unfathomable thing that's the best one that's got to be a newborn child and you can get very delightfully lost in that yeah it gives you a sense of purpose you know i uh, i imagine i can look at people that I know and I think one of the most challenging things for them in the past year has been sort of a feeling that of stasis you know that yeah. like well life is on hold or something life hasn't gone forward I guess if I was going to have fun with it now if I was going to have fun with it now I would do a Jeff Goldblum voice and I would say like uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, li life finds a way <laughs> um, because that's really what happens when you have a kid, you know, is like, there's no stasis because this person is growing every day and I'm caring for them every day. So, you know, regardless of all of my other stuff and how it has proceeded or not proceeded according to what my plans were, this thing, this relationship is, is ongoing and is a purpose. And so I think that's been really beneficial. Yeah, to your point about, like, I guess once you reach a certain point of, for better or worse, like, as a person, like, the clay has been set to fire, and this is kind of how you mm -hmm. are with certain exceptions, that, yeah, you know, it does feel like it's a year that technically counts, uh, at least biologically, but also <laughs> it just feels, you know, it feels like it doesn't, it's not been a year, like, it's just been a, a blur of a non-year, but for, in your position with a newborn that is a, it's a baby that is becoming more of a human every second of every day. It's just this absolute sponge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And she's a sponge and you want to make sure that she's soaking up the, soaking up some experiences that she's not missing out on. Yeah. So many experiences that she would have otherwise, which during the very first part of her life is really kind of a non-issue. It's like, yeah, you were going to be in this little cocoon no matter what. 
But now that she's getting a little older, it's like, okay, we want to make sure that you are going outside and seeing other kids, you know, that we go to the playground yeah. and like, yeah, there's all the parents that are masked up and, and stuff. But like, yeah, we're going to take you to the playground and we're going to like let you, you're not going to like hug the other kids or whatever, <laughs> but, or like touch them, but we're going to be around them so that you can hear and see other children. And she's so motivated by that. Yeah. Well, I, I think about that too, about how obviously there are so many awful things uh, of varying degrees and all of this, but on a more minor level, but kind of like central to what it is to be a human, to not be around other people and to interact. And granted, of course, you can do like some kind of facsimile in this form of two disembodied voices talking, mm -hmm. but also in Zoom where you can kind of see people a little bit, but you can't underestimate what it is to be around people and feel their energy. And I don't know, I think that's just something that it just recharges my battery. So to not have that has been very odd and I'm not a fan, but I also don't want to be sick or get other people sick for that matter. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, well, I can't speak for your other, I can't speak for any of your other guests or anything, but I would imagine that for many, many of them, it's the same, like almost like that's a given. Yeah. I, I, I've not taken the selfish liberty of, you know, having friends over or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that takes, that um, definitely has been hard. And yeah, it's the removal of the little thing like the you know those interactions with strangers that are yes. like i don't know what an example would be but like okay like i live in a building with an elevator now right and like the elevator is not a safe space <laughs> the elevator <laughs> is a place where you get locked in with somebody in confined environment right if someone gets on the elevator with you and in the past that would be an opportunity for a friendly interaction you know, yeah. I guess if you're, if you're single or if you're a swinger or whatever for some flirtation, <laughs> if you're <laughs> not like me, then just for some, like, just, there's, a, you know, someone to like pet your dog, right? Or someone to play with your kid, your new like baby. connect with a stranger. Yeah. You know, and instead it's like, okay, I'm standing in this corner of the elevator, staring at the corner and you're standing in the other corner and we're not talking you know yeah. <laughs> and like that sucks <laughs> well first of all yes 100 percent. and it's also like with you know the the reasonable um as much as it can be like paranoia of what this is and and just not i just don't know who all has been in contact with other people all i know is what i've done yeah. to take precautions and not do these things and i don't know what anybody else has done right i have no reason to think either that they are just like fucking going to spring break and partying maskless or that they're a relative hermit i but i don't know yeah no you yeah you don't know you don't know you know so those interactions like i just can't all i can do is control what i do and what certain people I know are also being responsible. But if it's a stranger, I don't know. I guess I have that little bit of stranger danger at some moment because I it, just don't know. Yeah, it was it was not a good feeling. I mean, that I found, and it has faded to a large extent, but early on, I started to get this feeling of, of, uh, of mistrust. Of, yeah. I don't know if that's a word. Distrust? Mistrust? Is there mistrust might be misplaced trust or something i don't know what i didn't have was trust of the people so you had distrust and absence <laughs> of trust i had an absence of trust um <laughs> for the people around me in a way that like just crept just, just all of a sudden was there and i was like what the fuck you know like i'm i'm like avoiding eye contact with people out on the street you know i'm like yeah feel i feel that they are radioactive or something and that 
has dissipated, thank God, that sort of feeling towards other people. Because that's a bad, it's a very bad feeling to have. That feeling that like, that, that feeling of like a baseline of paranoia or, or, you know, ill regard for your fellow human being, as opposed to a baseline of positive will, you know, of like, it's another person, other people are good. (laughs) I like other people. Uh, That was, I had to process that. I had to try to, once I realized that was happening, I had to kind of try to detach uh, my feelings about the danger of, of a pandemic, of a virus from my feelings almost morally about other people. You know, well, that like I know what you mean, though, because like that's so the idea of I was doing that, too, for a time. And it's so antithetical to like who I am yeah. to do that. So then you wonder there can be a healthy fear of getting sick. You know, I, I get that. That's real. But it's like going one way or the other, you know, going too much either way of like being reckless and being like, hug me, stranger. Or or like, don't touch me. I no eye contact, you know, but like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I think it's like the it's the extension. Of, it's like the extension or conflation of like there's a thing scientifically that is dangerous to me and then extending that though into like this other human being in in and of themselves is like a bad entity you know it's it's like it yes. it it can it, it turns into that because it's like our brain isn't smart enough to separate those two things unless you do it unless you do it intentionally right so i had to kind of try to intentionally start to think of that as like well they don't they're not trying to hurt me <laughs> like you know they're they're just a person i want to wear like a shirt or i wanted should have worn it early on about like look just keep i was about to start saying a long sentence i'm like this would not be good for a shirt but like <laughs> like this could not be less personal you could be exactly. anyone in this regard it's not know? personal <laughs> yeah yeah it's really not but the funny yeah. thing is that that interaction in and of itself is also deeply impersonal yeah. so then i'm like it's not personal in the sense that i don't I, i'm not against you as a human but in that regard also you could be anyone and i'm just fearful yeah i mean it's like i was at this um you know, there's this uh, there's this outdoor area that I was walking my daughter with the other day, and there's like a fountain, and we were at the fountain, and I saw it's early in the morning. There's no one there, and um, I saw this other this mom with her son who looked like you know he's about a year and a half old, and you know we're kind of like making eye contact across the fountain. We're like you know 100 feet apart or something, and I was like I'm just gonna push my daughter over there in her stroller, and instead of being 100 feet apart, we're gonna go stand you know, six to 10 feet from them. And we're going to say hi, you know, like, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know this person. I'm in a big city, but like, let's just go introduce ourselves and, and chat. And that kind of thing can make your day. <laughs> Absolutely. It can really change your day to, to have that kind of an interaction, small one. I know that at a certain point, I don't know at what point, maybe like six months in or something. I, I don't know. Time, like as much as I say that, that last year was a blur, I don't even say that facetiously, like truly, my judgment of time is like worse than it's ever been Yeah, of how long something was. I just can't, and, and not even like in the sense of I saw, and part of this is like Twitter based, but somebody was like, oh yeah, that happened two weeks ago on Twitter. And I'm like, wait, what? I never, it was either yesterday or it felt like 15 months ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, like I have no idea. And I guess part of that too is like the name, Twitter, and, and you can speak on this far better than I, but it feels like as ever, it feels like there's more, and I get this, like more like dopamine or, or oxytocin chasing than ever. Yeah, it's um, a... Which makes it's a, sense. It's a drug. I mean, it's in in a certain sense. It's um, It certainly has the addictive, <laughs> the addictive properties of like, of a drug. I guess in the same way that like a, a game 
video game can, you know, uh, with this kind of like constant, a constantly refreshing stream of stuff, but it's not like constantly refreshing new information. There's also this behavior for me of like going back, like the well is I've seen everything in the pool and I keep going back to the pool and like looking for new coins in it. That's a terrible metaphor because, like, who goes to a pool looking for coins? You, <laughs> I don't really know. No, 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 no. But I, I know what you're saying. Um, like, you're, you know what, what it is. You know what's there. Yeah. But then in my brain, for like 1% of it, even I'm like, but what if there's something new? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And because, well, and sometimes there is. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, that's what keeps you coming back is like, you know, it's like you're looking at the pool and like occasionally a freaking nickel appears and you're like, hmm, a new nickel. You know, or a Dogecoin. Um, a new Dogecoin has appeared. <laughs> yeah, a new Dogecoin has entered the arena. What is it? Um, NFT? Is that what it is? I and a non-fungible. Oh, and a, yeah, token. Maybe my brain is just kind of a little more literal than it needs to be, but abstract things like that just confound me. And, yeah. And I'm trying to under, you know, like uh, Top Shot. I think it is. Okay, I haven't even looked into that, but I, I I'm. F- I have a passing familiar. Well, all I know about it is I watched a video on it and then nothing stuck and I'm more confused than ever somehow. Is Top Shot like you can you can own an NBA highlight? It's like, yeah, it's, I think it, it's like you own a moment, which is like, it's like, it's like what does uh, that mean? Yeah, and I don't really follow the, I don't really follow the NBA, but it'd be like, you know, it's like thanks to the blockchain, I have a server and someone's going to correct me on this, but like I have a server that was manufactured in Bangladesh or Malaysia or Singapore or something, you know, by children and using stuff that was mined by people in Africa, I think, you know, non-renewable precious metals that were mined by people who lost arms doing it. Yeah. Um, and that the process, uh, yeah, I got it. And it takes a ton of power. I plug it in, you know, and it uses a ton of electricity that is generated from non-renewable resources <laughs> that are destroying our uh, climate, trapping, you know, gases or whatever above our earth and, and choking us and raising the sea level. And that means that I have, thanks to the blockchain, a copy, I think, of not a copy, an original, you know, non-reproducible signed copy of Steph Curry shooting a three-pointer. <laughs> I have a, a layup of a bench guy from the Clippers. Yeah, and that uses less energy, maybe. Maybe it uses the same energy, and that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all, I don't know. I, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's like the same thing as, oh, I own a thing, a movie on a website. I guess it's just a, ta- a lack of any semblance of tangibility in those cases that makes it difficult for my brain to understand the concept of like ownership. And like Top Shot or whatever is, or just Dogecoin or whatever, also is somehow even more abstract than that. It just doesn't compete. It doesn't compete with my brain. Yeah, it's like, um, what's like a digital version of Martin Shkreli buying that Wu-Tang album, right? <laughs> yes. Like it's like, except with the NBA Top, I, okay, I haven't looked into Top Shot and I'm probably talking out of my ass. Except like the difference being that like, you know, the whole thing with the Wu-Tang album was like he only only copy because it's physical, you know? But like yeah. other people can see this highlight, right? Like that's a, yeah. It's the like, NBA do you get still a copyright situation with that. I don't. Yeah, know. just like does the N- is the NBA giving up the rights to to the um, apparently we don't even know a bench guy's name. You know, to the bench guy making the layup. I wish I knew more NBA NBA uh, guys. All I can think of is like Chris Bosh. 
you know, raptor looking yeah. guy. I don't. Does he even play anymore? No, he doesn't. Okay. I would still like to own footage of Chris Bosh making a layup. And I think he was a shooter, right? He was like a wing or something. So, I mean, it doesn't even really quite. Oh, he could shoot. I mean, he was like yeah, the but he size wasn't of a, a power forward or a center. But he wasn't a post. Was like, you know? He was physically he's... ahead of his time. But is he shooting from the field, though, right? He's Is he driving to the basket a lot? I think he was a bit of a hybrid. I don't think that was the case. If anything, by the way, anything Chris Bosh related, all I want to do is own the meme or gif of him popping his head up in the middle of an interview. Mm, like a raptor. You know, behind him? Yes, that's what I would want to own. Because it's one of the most delightful things. He just seems like a delightful human. Just a nice, funny guy. I want a Bosch versus Bosch sort of <laughs> arcade game. You know, like Spy versus Spy, except it's like original Nintendo. You know, it's it's Chris Bosch and it's Bosch from the Amazon series Bosch based on the Michael Connolly novels about Bosch. And soon to be, I guess, sequel or a spin-off, spin-off show. You saw this on a spin-off? IMDb, IMDb TV. They're doing a spin-off of Bosch. Yeah. And um, the description of the spin-off was basically like, we're looking forward to doing this. And I, and hopefully actually nobody hears this part because I, you know, because hey, I'll write for it. Don't, I'm not <laughs> talking shit here. It's like, we're looking forward to doing this spin-off of Bosch, you know, and it's going to be great to continue the story of Bosch in this spin-off starring Bosch. <laughs> and it's like, it's like if they called it, it's basically, as far as I can tell, it's just like a new season of Bosch, you know, but I think that they probably save it's, but I think they probably save a lot of money by making it a new show. Probably. I'm sure that those... Yeah, because like the escalating contracts. Yeah, they don't have to give contractual bumps to people for doing another season. It's kind of a gross manipulation of like WGA and SAG rules, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like splitting. It's like splitting seasons, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. this is season two A and two B, you know, and it's like that's because they're contractually obligated to pay people more if they go to a new season, so they do two. They do a, a split season. Well, first of all, that's uh, extremely gross to me and, <laughs> yeah, and deeply good. bothersome. Spoiler alert and or a hot take there. But like speaking of TV shows that you mentioned one recently, mm-hmm. uh, actually a movie and a TV show. Great. The movie of which, funnily enough, I'd heard about before and I just finished last night, which was The Empty Man, which <laughs> I really enjoy. Empty Man Squad is it's growing. It's great. The Empty it's Man great. Hive is growing every day. Like yeah. it, it was very surprising. Every Every day... New people are searching for this, searching for synchronicity, and they're joining. Let me say this: The Empty Man is not a move movie; it's a movement. Okay, oh. and and a movement. And, and I want everybody to join it, man. I love this movie. God, it's cool, isn't it? Cool as hell. It really uh, is. It's uh well, it's interesting because like the writer director has been doing like behind the scenes videos and things for quite a while for David Fincher, yeah. which David tracks, Pryor is by his the name, way. by the way. Yes, yeah. and it tracks because it has a very like Fincherian vibe. To he it, learned a which, thing or two. Yeah, absolutely. He learned a thing or two. I think he said in an interview that he wants to be able to do every job to know how it works. And if you look at his IMDb page, it's very representative. He's done all kinds of different roles in movies. And you watch it, and just the opening scene, which is like a short film unto itself, is so self-assured and just, oh shit, what is this? It's audacious. 
it um, is. You know, okay, so for, for anybody listening, Empty Man is a movie. Do you mind if I just talk about oh, Do you please. mind if I just fucking go off about this movie for a little bit? You know what? Um, go off, Comic King, <laughs> exclamation point. Yeah, this movie is, um, not that we stand the monarchy around here anymore after what has just transpired with the monarchy. We were all monarchy heads before, kings and queens and, and everything, but now we've learned that it's bad. But The Empty Man is this movie that was made in, what was it made in 2017 or something? It's based on a comic um, by this guy, I want to say his name is like Colin or Cullen something, Cullen Bunn, The Empty Man. It was made in 2017, and then I think the Disney-Fox merger happened, right? And it got, yeah. it basically kind of languished, you know? And I think that people didn't know what to do with this movie. And then the pandemic happened, and they dumped it unceremoniously into theaters with almost no marketing in the fall of the pandemic. And it was kind of marketed as this movie that's like The Bye-Bye Man or something, where, yeah. you know, oh, it's this high-concept kind of almost silly horror movie where you know on the first night you hear him on the second night you see him on the third night what is it he comes for you <laughs> or something like that hear him see him and then get murdered by him yeah yeah they put it more eloquently than that but yeah get murdered. no that was pretty eloquent get murdered by him yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the third night you get murdered by him but this movie is so much stranger and bolder and more unsettling and uncanny than that. There's this, yeah. um, you know, it opens with this, I want to say 20, 20 minute, maybe even 25 minute, but let's say 20 minute, yeah, short film set in Bhutan with these trekkers who encounter the empty man. And it's really this kind of cosmic horror where you, you've got this like vast, uncanny unknown. You know, you're looking out into a white snowstorm. You're You're looking into a deep hit and it's it's quiet and the pacing is is tense and kind of thrums and then that prologue ends and you have this 25 year time jump and you're not carrying forward any of those characters and you've got this new guy who's a very fincheresque kind of figure who is going to encounter a series of crimes, what he thinks are crimes, but actually are supernatural events related to yeah. this figure, the Empty Man. And so you get this kind of almost neo-noir-esque kind of fruitless pursuit of the truth that steeps this guy further and further into inevitable horror that isolates him from the world. Well, and it's James Badge Dale, to your point, playing that lead. And he's a guy who is like this alpha supporting actor normally. Like, he makes everything better. He's got this kind of, in a great way, like, moody energy about him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's great. So to see him in a lead performance was also awesome because he's, like, in this weird gray area of he's not, like, a leading actor, but he's also somehow better than strictly being a supporting actor, too. Yeah. So it was yeah. really cool to see him in that role. He's great. Yeah, he really, I mean, he really stepped up. He, he brings a lot of... Um stillness and disquietude or something to this yeah. to this role he's one of those actors almost like a in a way but maybe less showy of a like a john bernthal who has mm -hmm. who can do quiet powerful yeah yeah very easily yeah well and he brings this and he carries that weight you know this is a like so many characters in these kinds of movies the fincher detectives i would also relate that to like memories of murder or yes. um, The Wailing is a movie I loved and 
you get this kind of slow descent to where the world is just crumbling around this person. And he carries that heaviness really well. And he carries that sort of inevitability of depression or something like yeah. where, where it's kind of like he's encountered what not to do and yet he does it. You know, he, there's this self-sabotaging sort of inevitability. And ultimately that gets kind of explained in more cosmic ways. Uh, but yeah. um, but it, it does add a layer of like a sense of palpable dread to it. Yes. Because it's like the more awful things he sees where the quote-unquote average person would be like, yeah, I'm going to do the opposite of this. He just can't help it because the mystery is too strong. And, yeah. and again, he's a guy that there's a movie that he was in, speaking of kind of like underseen movie seemingly called The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Okay, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's more of an ensemble thing, but mm -hmm. it's quite good. I, I, I liked it. It's, again, one where if you kind of go into it not reading about it and maybe having your you know perceptions of it potentially in any way impacted, it's it's absolutely worth watching. Yeah. The other, but speaking of which, by the way, like of not having expectations, which I rarely, I just read so much about this stuff that I rarely go into something not knowing anything about it. But one thing I did go into not knowing anything about it, and you brought it up, which I had not heard about, was Channel Zero. Mm-hmm. Which last night I was like, let me let me watch the first episode of this, and I ended up watching four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was so into it, and I was ended up staying up way later than ever. But honestly, for me too, that speaking of actors that I like that don't kind of get enough attention to me, Paul Schneider, he's oh, in the he's, opening shot of it of that great. first episode. I love him. I think he's great. He's really good. Um, it was it was disappointing when he disappeared off Parks and Rec. Yes, because um, he has this. Um, Man, he has such a likable quality. I don't want to say every man because I think that actually does him a disservice. You know, um, it's a very unique energy, there's but in a very relatable singular. way. Yeah, yeah. He's in um, all the real girls, right? Is he in? Yeah, he's in all the real girls. You know, um, and I couldn't tell you what he's been in more recently. Well, I'll tell you one movie that he was in this, frankly, like all-time amazing ensemble where when he was on the screen and part of that it was the character that even then it's like you couldn't help but watch him was the assassination of Jesse James by the coward oh, Robert Ford. Yeah, right. He's amazing in that. Yeah, yeah, really good. Really good. Yeah, there's there's something even that really, yeah, there's something that relates all of these things, these works that have sort of a, um, a bold sense of pace where they're they have the confidence to say like, I'm going to, there's, we're just going to sit with some things here. You know, um, we're going to stretch some moments out. Uh, I mean, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford does that to probably many would say a fault, but you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but Channel Zero and, and The Empty Man, they, they're movies where they say like, we're going to confound the expectations of where this plot will go. And we're not going to necessarily do that in like super twisty turny ways that like whip right at you with action. But like we're going to present you with that kind of uncanny or unsettled feeling. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially in the case of Channel Zero and actually now that I think about it, The Empty Man, that they're not doing it's not the form of horror that is manipulative. Yeah. Which is to say it's not we're not going to earn this scare. So we're just going to turn the volume up. Right. Which will then just induce a scare that's deeply unearned. Clearly, these are like students of horror films, and they're made in such a smart and self-assured way. You know, that opening 20, 22 minutes or whatever of The Empty Man, I was so into it because I'm like, they know exactly what they're doing, so I am all in on this. Yeah, and that opening part sort of does 
like the opening part and then the opening the next part with the teenagers like it does satisfy that sort of what are the beats of you know i've been promised three beats right i've been promised you hear him you see him he comes to murder you (laughs) right i've been promised (laughs) that and i get that so it, it gives you the setup and the payoff that you're looking for but you know um spoiler okay a little silence for someone to fast forward 15 seconds or something like you know in that first part you get this setup of all these teenagers, right? You're like, okay, now I've got my new protagonists, right? Yes. You know? And then they go through those three beats, let's say, right? And they go through those three beats in what is probably the beginning of the middle act of the movie, you know? Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so you've basically shown me what the straight path could be through this movie, and then you've deliberately brought it to an end. You've cut it off, and you've said, well, no, this, that's actually not the story I'm telling I'm telling I'm telling a different story than you thought I was telling. To your point, like there's a recalibration element in real time. Yeah. And it's not even doing it again, not in a manipulative way. It's just like we know what you're used to yeah. and that's not what this is. And it's in a way that's that, you know, is not unwatchable at all. It's very compelling. And it also felt like this really was the culmination of the director, like, I just give me a shot and I will make my movie. Yeah. I hope and it's it the really beginning. did. I hope it's the beginning. Um, I do too. He's gonna need us. He's gonna need the empty man squad to help him get that next shot because clearly the industry <laughs> didn't decide that he didn't decide they were going to give it to him you know they um they kind of dumped his shit out like with 42 percent on rotten tomatoes or whatever which is criminal to me uh, i think to your point though like that movie came out or was made it was made at like the worst possible time yeah for what that movie is yeah. because the idea of that movie in any way having ownership by disney it's the worst case scenario well you know what i saw was again just like people discussing it on twitter was like someone being like you know it seems like they're like and i i, I tend to agree they were kind of like to the ultimate product of this movie it may have been one of those things where it kind of benefited the actual quality of the movie that it kind of slipped through the cracks because oh, yeah. because like you think about what we watched this like two hour 20 minute movie that has a movie that ends 25 minutes into it another one that sort of ends 20 minutes into it you know then a whole cult plot and then a kind of dissembling psychological horror almost Cronenberg or Lynchian kind of loss of self identity crumbling thing at the end with some interesting humor that's woven throughout it like it's something that for a typical audience wanting to go check out a movie called the empty man marketed as a horror movie in theaters is maybe a tough hang you know like you're not going to get it maybe maybe kind of a tough hang and so the notion that it maybe didn't have a lot of fingers in the pie because people were like well we don't know what to do with this or whatever just kind of let it be um true you know is it the case that the version that we saw of it was actually kind of close to what you might get with a director's cut you know (laughs) like nobody bothered to be like well you know what we can't turn this into the thing that that we want to turn it into so like we'll let you have it be the thing that you want it to be i don't know this is all speculation it's all speculation i don't know what i'm talking about i know what you mean though that makes a lot of sense like something can be said for expectations go a long way but also an absence of expectations can go a long way i did want to ask the, the last thing i want to ask you because oh I want yeah to sure too much more of your time is are there any other shows or movies that you think and they don't even have to necessarily be newer that you think that were underseen or maybe underappreciated because i have one show that i don't know anybody else is watching at least in america and i think it's fantastic and i i think more people should watch it 
that's interesting because I was just having this conversation where I was thinking, it was kind of like, is there anything that's underseen now? Is there, you know, has everybody seen everything? Because we were all just sitting around all day, every day, watching TV. I think it's, for me, there's there's really only one answer to that about TV, which is, there's a couple, but but the main one really is Patriot. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Patriot on Amazon is a show. There's two seasons of it. It's made by Stephen Levitt. Stephen Levitt, he wrote and directed The Pursuit of Happiness and yeah. um, some other stuff. And uh, this show is, to me, this show is the show that, like, if there were any show that I could write for, I would write for this show. Right? Like, that is the answer for me. Um, there's no, there is nothing else <laughs> that possibly comes in above it. I mean, it has this sharp, satirical angle on a lot of things. I mean, it has a sharp satirical angle on the intelligence apparatus and foreign policy and government and duty to country. But really, it's a very introspective show. I mean, it doesn't not share DNA with Inside Lewin Davis. You know, you've got this guy who, you get this this guy in a tremendously, a tremendously laden, you know, heavily laden with the burden, with inner burden performance of this intelligence operative who's, who plays music because he's so fucking depressed because he, he kills people, you know, <laughs> and, but then the plot, you know, the plot is the, I keep seeing this thing, I won't even say who from, but like this little pithy writing advice on Twitter, like simple plots, complex characters. And this show is the, this show does not take that advice as gospel, <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. we're going to actually throw so much, we're going to throw a plot at you that is so insanely twisty that, I don't know, there's a page turning twisty plot, but it's so full of humor. And I think the biggest thing about it is that every character is a character. You know, there's no misspent. There's nothing that's filler. Right, like every yeah. every character is turned up to eleven. There is so much going on, but it also feels like lean and mean at the same time. Mm -hmm. Somehow, mm -hmm. it's very efficient, I guess, in that regard. Yeah, and I, and honestly, the the show that he made after that, it only was one season, Perpetual Grace Limited, mm -hmm. which is more of like a neo western, I suppose. Mm -hmm. It's very good. I haven't checked it out yet. I, I don't know how. Okay. I, I don't know how I haven't. But I gotta. It's on Epics, and I think you can get, you know, like a subscription through that. But I mean, even just the three primary people in it are Ben Kingsley, Jimmy Simpson, and Jackie Weaver. Yeah, you're like, you're like, how does shit like that get made and like nobody talks about it? It's 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 crazy. Epics is like behind a paywall, so I think that yeah. does it. Because they also did the Get Shorty TV show that has Chris O'Dowd in it, I believe. Oh, well, and I like him. Yeah. I've heard it's good. I just haven't yeah. seen it. Chris O'Dowd, an an eminently watchable fellow. Absolutely. Uh, is what were you? What show were you going to say? You said you had one. You had to say. I do. It's on HBO Max, and this is a show that it's called Gamora, okay. G O M M O R A H. Yeah. It's set in Italy, Naples specifically, for the most part. It opens, you know, on the Sevastano family, and they're like the you know mid-level in the scheme of things, like drug runners slash kind of gangsters in Naples at this time. And it's so well done, so self-assured, and so good. I say that it's not been watched a lot, seemingly, in America, because it's been sold to 190 countries. <laughs> it's a giant show. Are there that many countries? There's 193 or something like that. There's 215. 215. So it's the fact that it has 190 out of 215 is, 
I mean, there you go. It didn't but it's go not to HBO North, Max. It didn't go though. to North Korea. <laughs> yeah. It didn't go to the Gambia. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's huge in Zimbabwe, but possibly. I mean, when you're getting up to 190, you you got to consider that Zimbabwe might be in the mix. I know, it's fair. I feel like I was deeply unfair to Zimbabwe. Well, it didn't go to Cuba. You know, it it didn't go to Cuba, the Gambia. Probably didn't go to China, right? Big, You know, maybe. I don't know. Um, Probably not. No. Maybe Vatican City, if that constitutes a country. Yeah, yeah, Vatican City. Um, (laughs) But it's huge. Yeah, I've seen the movie. Yes, and it's it's based on the same book. Yep, by... God, what's his name? It's like um, Robert or Roberto or... It could Roberto be Saviano. Roberto Saviano. He, uh, dude, his life is like, uh, his life is nuts, man. He's this journalist. You know, he wrote. He's an author, journalist. He wrote this book, a couple books about Gamora, about um, about the Camorra, about the Neapolitan crime families and stuff. And like, he's um, he's been in danger for his life, dude. Holy shit! Like, I had no idea. Oh yeah, he had to like kind of go into exile and shit because of what he had written from organized crime you know trying to kill kill his ass uh wow yeah and he also wrote this even could have been my answer because it's less seen than patriot he zero 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 dude it's so good zero zero is uh one of the best thrill rides i've had in years oh man this show tracking a cocaine shipment from mexico to italy and following the different players you basically got like your you know the if the cocaine i hate this oh i hate this to say this if the cocaine shipment is a character which it's <laughs> if the cocaine is a character in the show and the cocaine's goal is to get to italy then you've got like the it's the protagonists and antagonists trying to help the cocaine get to italy or trying to prevent it from getting there you know and like yeah. the performances are so good there's a new dead-eyed star that was minted in this show who burst onto the scene out of Mexico who, like, is one of the scariest motherfuckers you've, He's ever, frightening. you've ever seen, dude. <laughs> well, mean, it's the same sh- producers, by the way, of yeah. the TV show Gamora <sighs> that did 000. And the funny thing is that the popularity of the TV show Gamora is what allowed them to make 000. Oh, so whips ass, dude. I, I like, yeah, you can't spend a better eight hours. But Gamora, though, actually put an actor that is going to... He's going to be huge, okay. I think. Okay. And that's uh, Salvatore Esposito. Okay. And he, from from the popularity of Gamora... First of all, this dude has... He's not like eight feet tall or something. He's six foot, six one. But he's so powerful and like larger than life. And he's amazing. He has as, as much charisma as any actor out there. It's unbelievable how you cannot not focus on him when he's on screen. And mm. he... The popularity of that show allowed him put him on the map to some degree, at least in America. And he plays the actually from Italy Italian brother of Jason Schwartzman in season four of Fargo. Okay, all right. And he's plays it that role by the way in like a very truly like quite literally wide eyed, big eyed, animalistic way. Right. And he goes big for it, and it's great. But in this, you see the trajectory of him from twenty year old son of privilege, nothing means anything. He's just very reckless to evolving into over the course of they're filming season five right now of Gamora into like the mob boss himself, and it's an incredible performance. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I. You know. I've been. My father-in-law has tried to sell me on Gamora before. Not that I need much selling because I loved the movie, but now it's like with the extent that I love Zero Zero Zero, 
and you selling me on it and him and someone else was just mentioning to me, I might really have to, um, I might really have to dive into this. You know, you'll, you'll get into it pretty quickly because it's very shot in a very like beautiful cinematic way. It's like impeccably made. Oh yeah. And those producers have like an overall deal now with studio canal Okay. where the next thing they're going to do is be, they're going to make, it's an Italian Western. I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. like a spaghetti Western necessarily. But they're going to be making that soon. So whatever they're doing, dude, yeah, I fuck with studio. I fuck with Studio Canal, dude. They okay. <laughs> Studio Canal, <laughs> Studio Canal knows what's up, man. Hey, if anybody from Studio Canal is listening to this, I've got pitches for you. If anyone from Studio Canal is listening to this, <laughs> like, let's um, I've got an idea about a postal, I've got an idea about a postal worker running star routes in the nineteen hundred in the eighteen hundreds and a uh, train robbery gang that we could make happen. It's just as a studio canal joint. So let's, uh, I want to so, see that. Yeah. Please so, make that. so let's do that. I can, can I drop us like a tiny brag about zero, 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 please. Okay. Zero, zero, zero is the title of the show. At no point in the eight hours of the show, does anybody say zero, 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 right? There's never that moment. There's never that Leonardo DiCaprio point at the TV screen moment. Um, they said zero, 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 but I turned to my wife, we were watching it, I said, do you think it's called 000 because the cocaine is going to Italy and in Italy, super fine flour is measured by decimal points and zeros and 000 is slang for cocaine. And she said, maybe. And I looked it up and it was right. That's a great deduction because I just never... I felt like Sherlock Holmes. That's great. I felt like a... I wanted to say Benedict Arnold. I felt like Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, <laughs> moving all the moving all the uh, images and letters around in front of my mind. Let's say you were Russell Crowe in Beautiful Mind. I was Russell. I was Beautiful Mind. I was Tom Cruise in Minority Report with my hands up on the screen, you know, tapping into the precogs, <laughs> or um, Brad Bradley Cooper in Limitless Jest, sitting down at my computer. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. Did I say Limitless Jest, which is my Twitter handle? Yes, that's what I was just thinking. In too. the movie Limitless, my brain is full of clearly. I clearly my brain is not limitless. I couldn't even <laughs> process that. What all do you want to point people toward? Oh, of my stuff. Yeah. Um, please save me. We're gonna record new episodes soon. Although there's plenty of backlog. I mean, there's 72 episodes of this show, so you're not going to be hurting for for stuff to listen to. You know, please save me is a show that I do with my friend Sarah Black. She's a she's a friend and partner in writing. Uh, and comedy, and it's a show where we recap a fake television show, um, and it, you know, it really fits into that podcast mold of, like, we just do whatever the hell we want on it, and I will say there are people who love the show and have listened to all of it, which kind of just blows my mind and makes me so happy because we do build out this world in it that is just kind of insane within this procedural television show called Chicago Heroes that we recap, and we've dropped storylines multiple times in the middle of a season and started a new season because you know because it's just like whatever the fuck it's 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 all there's no seriousness to it it's all absurd and then there's other people that hate it there's one guy who's a huge fan of the show and his wife hates the show so much that she leaves the room if if she hears him listening to it um that's fine yeah so that's good to know i mean you must be doing something right right so that's please save me you can get that anywhere on podcasts i guess the other thing would just be you know i drop um I drop writing and video and audio and all kinds of little crap on uh, on Twitter at Limitless Jest. And I, you know, if I have, I've had a couple, you know, articles up in the, well, I guess the other thing would be um, 
yeah, there's a video on there. It's my pinned tweet called One Gotta yeah. Go. That would be the other thing I would point people to. It's a, it's sh- great. a short, thank you. It's a short that yeah. I made with um, with Sarah and we've actually written a draft of and then we're, we're rewriting it now um, after we get some notes, uh, a, a feature that kind of works within a similar space, you know, a screen-based comedy thrill, nice. comedy thriller. So, uh, so maybe maybe one day there'll be something that'll come out of that. But but yeah, that's my that's my stuff for now. Awesome. Thank you again for doing this. This oh, was really fun. Thank you. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, thank you again, everybody. Please like, stay safe. Wear a mask or seven. Be kind to yourself. It's okay to not be okay and all this shit. So yeah, thank you again for listening. Bye.